You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. I'm going to be talking to the mothers today. Not just the mothers, but women in general. And you guys are thinking, well, it's not for me. Yes, you're going to learn how to, to maybe uh, handle that woman in your life <laughs> or women in your life. But I wanted to talk about God's plan uh, for women. I see some men laughing. I don't think they're ever going to. You think you're never going to learn about or understand us, don't you? <laughs> Most of you. <laughs> Well, that wasn't what God intended. He wanted us to understand each other. I wanted to, to kind of go over what God's plan has been for women. Um, and we're going to start out with some scripture. Is that okay? All right, we're going to go to Galatians 3.28. This is a, a scripture most of us know. It says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then we're going to go to Romans 2.11. I'm going to make him work fast back there. For there is no partiality with God. Then Malachi 3.6 says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. And Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I wanted to start out with these scriptures because, first off, God's plan for mankind has never changed. He's always thought... Uh, the same about us from the very beginning. He still thinks about the same of us today. And if you look at that first scripture, it said there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. That tells me that it doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your occupation. It doesn't matter your gender. And there's only two, just so you know. <laughs> Let's make it plain. There's only two. But it doesn't matter. You're equal in, in God. You're equal in Christ. Amen. And we know that God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His plans for mankind has not changed. So we're going to go to the very beginning where he set out the plans for man and woman. And that's in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. I don't know why, but God always leads me to Genesis, the beginning. <laughs> it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. I want you to notice some things. It says, let them, that means male and female, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. Everybody say them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, what I want you to see from this scripture is God has given male and female the same purpose, the same instructions, the same authority. He said, be fruitful, multiply, subdue. Subdue is overcome, bring under control, bring under the subjection to the kingdom of God, dominion, is rule and power over. Notice God did not separate the man and say, this is your responsibilities. He didn't separate the woman and say, this is yours. 
to both of them, he gave the same responsibilities. Can you see that? Now, Adam, we know, was made in the image of God. But let's go to Genesis 2.18. Because this tells us something that says that uh, he was made in the image of God except for one regard. Let's look at that. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. Now, if you look at the, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they have each other. They can, the, the, the Son can get out of the Father. He, he did. He came to the earth. The Holy Spirit comes out in, into us, into the world. God plans with the Holy Spirit and Jesus the Son. He makes, he has conversation. And that was one thing that Adam did not have, was somebody to converse with, to plan with, to fellowship with. So this is what God does in Genesis 2, 20 through 24. It says, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs. Now that rib, that word means just from the side. And then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man the man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Now, that word helper, it, I found it was pretty interesting that that was used mainly for God as our helper. But God specifically chose this to use this for the woman. And, you know, there's nothing that God does, nothing that he says in the word of God that is by accident. Nothing is a coincidence in the word of God. It's not a coincidence that he took Eve out of the side of Adam, out of him that was already created in the image of God. It was not a coincidence that she's called helper. We, are, we have another helper, don't we, that stands by our side, the Holy Spirit. The woman was to be that part of man that was going to represent the image of God on the earth. He was going to converse with this woman and this woman with this man so that they could bring the dominion of heaven on the earth. And something happened. We all know the bad day that happened in the garden, right? And we know that Eve, she uh, was deceived. The Bible says she was deceived. Now, we know that... Um, Adam, it says that he was not deceived. Eve, when she was listening to the enemy, the very first thing she says was, we can't, we can't eat that, because if we do, we're going to die. Isn't that what she said? And she even added a little bit to it, uh, that even if we touch it, we will die, and that's not what the Lord said. But she wasn't there. Adam was. And if you read this, this uh, scriptures out, you'll see that Adam was with her, he was right there with her, husband and wife, listening to this serpent, the devil talking through them. And I, I find it interesting, though, that she said this. She looked to God first and said no. But then the more that he talked, the more things changed. 
And I believe she started to look to her husband that was with her. You know how us women can do. We can, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be talking, but we'll be looking at her husband and thinking, what is he thinking about this? You know, you know that's what we do. We, we check to see what they're, if it's okay or whatever. And I believe she, she looked to him to see if he was going to, to be against it or for it. And the reason I say that is if you look at, at Genesis 3.16, after God comes down and he begins to talk to them, first you got to know, when he comes and he, he says, you know, what have you done? Why are you hiding? Of course, God, you know, he saw the whole thing. He knew it all. I think that this is the moment that things change for male and female. This is the moment that they could have looked to God and said, we repent, God. We did wrong. We, we should have never done this. Please forgive us, you know. But they didn't. They, they blamed. They did the blame game. Adam, who, who do, you, do you remember who he blamed? He blamed Eve, but he also blamed God because God gave him Eve, remember? And then Eve blamed the serpent. So there was a blame game going on, and I believe this is where division started in the world between man and woman, contention, strife, even a little bit of manipulation going on. Uh, this is where it all began. And then when the Lord comes, this is what he says to Eve. He says, to the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Now, we know that God does not give us uh, sickness, disease, and pain. What happened was the wages of sin is death. When Eve and Adam made that choice, that's the moment that pain, sickness, disease came in. And then that's why, ladies, that's why we have pain in our childbirth. And we could tell you some stories. That's women together. We have, we have childbirth stories, okay? <laughs> Y'all don't want to hear that today, though. Okay, we could be here a while. <laughs> but um, this is, the, this is the, the point where everything changed. And when God said uh, the part about your desire will be for your husband, I believe it's because at first she looked to God. Because with man and woman were, were supposed to establish the kingdom of God with God as the final authority. They were to be under rulers of God, right? So she looked to God initially, but then she looked to her husband. So the reason that God says your desire will be for your husband is because she looked to her husband instead of God. So what's the other scripture that says uh, you reap what you sow, she was reaping what she had sown because it, up to that point, man and woman were to look to God as the, as the ultimate authority. But when they chose to go against God, sin came in and then they began to reap what they had sown. So this is where it all begins, where you have the, the division between man and woman. And, and you know, I'm saying this at the beginning, I wanted to lay some groundwork here because we're going to go back in time. We're going to go and, and look and see what happened to the woman over the, over the centuries. There's been a lot of, of negative things that have happened, and it all started in the garden. But 
as we read from the very beginning, God does not change. His plans for women have not changed. Now, men, you either, but today is, is Mother's Day, okay? We're going to talk about women. <laughs> but our, the, the plan for, for, for mankind has not changed. Sin changed it. Sin changed it. So if you look at what God gave the Israelites, he separated a nation of, of the Jewish people. And he, he gave them the law. He gave them uh, just the, the way to live. And if you look at the Old Testament, I'm going to read some things to you about how they, they treated the, the women in the Old Testament. Women uh, were f- freely engaged in commerce. They could, they could buy and sell real estate. They could uh, run their own business. They could do manual labor. Uh, they were not excluded from temple worship. They worshiped with the men in the temple. They could play music. They could pray in the sanctuary. They could sing. They could dance to all the religious uh, things that they had going on. They participated in music, festivities, at weddings. Uh, they were included when God in, in, uh, instituted the Mosaic Covenant. They were present when Joshua read uh, the Torah to Israel. And the Torah is what? Does everybody know what the Torah is? First five books of the Bible. They were required. Of course, it wasn't the Bible back then, okay? But they were required to be present in, uh, for the public reading of the scriptures on the Feast of Tabernacles. So women were included. Now, this is Israel, okay? They were set apart. And there were also a lot of women that were in leadership and a lot of women that God honored in the Old Testament. We know that Miriam was uh, the sister of Moses, and she, she was a leader in Israel. Then you have Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute, and she wasn't even a Jew. But because she honored God, loved God, took him as her God, and helped the spies, God honored her by letting her be in the lineage of Jesus Christ. That's pretty big. And not only that, but Ruth as well. Ruth was not a Jewish woman, but she honored her mother-in-law and took on Jehovah as her God. And God honored her by letting her be in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Now, these are two foreigners. They're not even Jewish, okay? Then you have Deborah, who uh, Katie spoke about last week. She was a judge. What judge means um, is that if you have disputes, they were to bring all their disputes to Deborah, and she would settle them. This was between male and female, the whole family. Everybody would come to her. She had the wisdom of God, the intelligence of God, and God also used her as a prophetess. He spoke to her, and she gave the words to Israel. She, she helped save Israel. She was a wife, and I believe she was a mother, too. And then you have Huldah, who also was a prophetess. God spoke to her so she could speak to Israel. Then there was Queen Esther, Hadassah, which I got to go see in the last couple, a couple weeks ago. And um, Branson, that was so awesome. If y'all haven't been there at the the sight and sound, you got to go see it. But that's where I realized where Hadassah got her name. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, man, I didn't even, didn't even catch that. But anyways, Queen Esther, she, um, she saved Israel. She was just a normal 
Jewish girl minding her own business, but God set her apart for just the time as that to save Israel. And then if you look in Scripture in Genesis 21, 12, it says that God told Abraham to go listen to his wife. I'm sure God has told you men to do that at least once in your life. <laughs> you know, my husband used to always say, he said, who needs the Holy Spirit when you got your wife? <laughs> she, oh, well, we do. We all need the Holy Spirit. What he meant was she kind of tries to be the Holy Spirit in your life. Uh, Proverbs 18.22 uh, says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Can you, I don't, come on, amen? amen. All right. Proverbs 19.14 says that an intelligent wife is a gift from God. Yes. Oh, thank you. All right. And you know, that's the thing. God has made women intelligent. Did you know that in the Proverbs, in uh, the, the first and second chapter, it talks about wisdom? And wisdom is called a female? Do you think that's by accident, by God? Okay. <laughs> not getting some good looks from the guys. But it's not an accident. There is nothing that God does in the word of God or that he does in, in anywhere that is an accident. It's all planned out perfectly. God, remember, we were created in the image of God in the very beginning. I know that image was messed up with the fall. But women have a lot of wisdom and intelligence. Amen. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. That was, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. But that's the truth. I, you know, there's been many a time that uh, the Lord had spoken to me when my husband and I were uh, pastoring church and he'd given me wisdom but there was times my husband didn't see it and he was like nah don't see that so he would go ahead and do what he thought and then he would be like man I wish I hadn't done that <laughs> what you saw was right God does speak to women and he gives us a lot of women now if you're that that's if you're following the Lord now when you're following God you can I mean we can step into that image of God and be that wise woman. And then we have Abigail. Remember Abigail? She saved her whole family when Nabal, her husband, or Nabal, however you want to say him, he wasn't a very smart man. He was going to get them all killed, their whole family, because he wasn't going to help David and his men out. So Abigail goes and loads up a bunch of supplies and provision and saves their family. And she eventually, after Nabal, he dies, she becomes David's wife. And then we have the wise of women of Tekoa that God used to go help uh, to persuade King David to uh, lift the ban on his son Absalom. So there's a lot of, there's even, there's many more uh, I could give you here, but I wanted you to see how God used women, honored women. And then we come to the time of the New Testament. Things totally had changed. Totally had changed. The time of Jesus. What Jesus um, was up against was so different than what we, we can imagine. You know, we read the stories in the New Testament and we think, oh, those are so nice, it's so wonderful. But we don't understand the background. So if you understand the background, you'll understand the stories much better. Because something had transpired. You know that Israel had stepped away 
from God many, many times. They had embraced all these heathen uh, idols, and they had allowed them into their lives, and they began to treat the women like these heathen nations treated them. And even when you get to the Romans, the Romans also did not treat their women good. And so they were picking up all kinds of things. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an example of, of the things that were taking place in the time of Jesus. Um, let's see here. Okay, they were not, women were not allowed to testify in court at all. There was a list of things or people that could not testify. One of them was Gentiles. We know the Jewish people did not like Gentiles. It was, they thought they were above them. They had gotten into pride, which wasn't what God wanted them to do. Uh, she was in the category of minors, deaf mutes, undesirables, like gamblers, people that were insane. She was in that category where we, we can't trust the woman to testify in court. She could not uh, engage in commerce, was rarely seen outside of her home, okay? The ones that were outside of their home were usually because they had to. They were in economic straits where they had to, they had to support their family. They had to get out and make a living. But uh, a devout Jewish woman was generally at home. That was her place. The men could go anywhere they wanted, do anything they wanted, but the woman was to stay home. If she was in the streets, she was to be heavily veiled. She was prohibited from conversing with men. This is, this is why Jesus, when he comes, they're not just mad about his teaching. They're mad that he's treating the women the way he's treating them. They're mad that he's talking to women. They didn't like any of that. And see, we don't see that in our culture today because it's okay. And it never was okay with God for them to, to be that way. But because they picked up from the heathen nations, they weren't supposed to converse. I remember listening to um, Fuchsia Pickett. How many have ever heard of her? She's back and <laughs> way back. But she was a great woman of God, filled with wisdom. And, and she was, an, um, if you ever heard her speak, she just, the anointing was so strong on her life. But she um, would go out and she would speak. Well, a bunch of people uh, that had this church, they wanted her to be their pastor. And back in those days, and we're talking about, uh, I think this was probably about the 60s and 70s, uh, but you, women just didn't preach. They weren't, they just didn't. There's a lot of scriptures in the, the Bible that people would use, they would use and say, this is why you can't preach. So she was struggling with it, even though she knew in her heart God wanted her to take this position. Well, she goes to a trip to, to Israel, and uh, they take them to all these different cities, and they were at Corinth. And when they were at Corinth, they had a, a Jewish guide, and he was taking them through the place where Paul had been teaching the people there. And he was telling them, he said, this is where, you know, it's like an amphitheater kind of like thing. And he said, this is where the men would sit. They would sit on the bottom. And this is where the women would sit on the top. And he said, this is where the women would shout down to their husbands. Now, remember, a woman couldn't converse with men, anyone but her husband. So if she had a question, the Jewish guide was telling them, she would yell down at her husband and ask him what that meant. 
So this is, this is the same place where we get Paul saying the women needs to keep silent in church because of the setting they were in, the times they were in. The women were not allowed to speak to other people. Now, it began to change as Jesus, his, his way, because I believe he, became, he came to reestablish what God meant when he first created male and female. So um, she heard this, and she's like, I don't, this is, what are you saying? He says, don't you even know your own scriptures? This is a Jewish man. They understood what Paul was saying because they understood that the women were not allowed to converse. So that, make, that opens up our eyes a little bit as to why some of the word says what it does, doesn't it? And then, needless to say, after that, she's like, yes, I'm okay with being a pastor, and she was one of the greatest pastors. Um, but there was uh, also women, uh, respectable women, like I said, they were expected to stay within the confines of their home. Uh, they did not go out for their own shopping unless they would have a slave with them. Um, and it was only to do certain things. They were more than likely illiterate because rabbis during that time did not consider it a good thing for women to learn to read in order to study the scriptures. They didn't think that was necessary for them to learn the scriptures. Am I giving you too much? Okay, good. Um, the rabbis declared a woman to be exempt from the commandment to learn the law of Moses. Now, this is men's teaching. This is not God's word. They added this later. They have a, something called the Talmud. And, and one of their writings says this, It is foolishness to teach Torah to your daughter. They were restricted from orally communicating the Torah to others, even to their children. Yeah, it, you know, Proverbs 1.8 says not to forsake the law or the teachings of your mother. So they didn't even take that into account. They were separated from men in private, public, social life, religious life. They were shunned to be shunned in po public social contact. Can you see how Jesus was totally against all this? I don't see where anywhere where he, he didn't speak to a woman. I don't see anywhere where he humiliated a woman, depreciated her in any way, shape, or form. He was always honoring women everywhere he went. And this is what was grating on them. They're like, you're not even supposed to be near them. You're not supposed to talk to them. What are you doing? So they were pretty upset. Um, there's some of their teaching uh, is crazy. They have what they call um, a Mishnah. In their Mishnah, it says, engage not in too much conversation with women. And this was referring to their wife. You're not supposed to talk to your wife much. And you know if it was your wife, not to anybody else that was a female. And they, they said this, um, as long as a man engages in too much conversation with women, he causes evil to himself. For he goes idle from the study of the Torah, so that his end will be that he will inherit Gehenna, which is hell. Men, you will inherit hell if you talk to your wife. That's what they were saying, pretty much. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. And this is why, if you, if you learn the history, you understand more of what was going on in the time of Jesus. 
Um, like I said, women were not to be publicly taught the Torah. So maybe when we, it kind of registers some of the stories with Jesus and women. Um, but that was not true in the Old Testament at all. This is one of their passages that was from the, what they call the, um, the Sota, S-O-T-A. It says, may the words of Torah be burned, then that they should be handed over to women. That's pretty bad. They had a rabbi, Eliezer, who said this. He said, whoever teaches his daughter Torah teaches her obscenity. And one of their rabbis' view it was in Psalms 45, 13. The reason they wanted women to stay is they took this one scripture and said that this is why she needs to stay home. All glorious is the princess in her chamber. So it's pretty bad back then. You know, we, you know and, and the sad thing is, is there's still countries, nations that still treat their women this way. Um, wow. Let's see here. I don't want to miss anything. They were not allowed to participate in public prayer at the temple. Excuse me. They, that, that was later on. That did not happen um, in the time of the Old Testament. That was not God's will. The few rights of a woman included her right to go to the house of study to hear a sermon or to pray. She could attend a wedding feast. She could go to a house of mourning. She could visit her relatives like we saw Mary did. Uh, so there were some things that she could do, but the majority of the time she was relegated to her home, and that was it. And although we women love our homes, don't we? We love our children. We love our families. But God did not create us just to be hiding there. He created us to be by the side of man and walking together, taking dominion together, honoring one another. To honor is to value greatly. To esteem greatly. And, and we're supposed to prefer one another. I mean, this, we're supposed to be an image of the Godhead on the earth. I don't see anywhere where God looks down upon Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Or the Holy Spirit looks down upon Jesus and the Father. They're always honoring one another, preferring one another. And this is what God wanted for man and, and woman. But instead, we got the, the, the devil who knew that if he, could, if he could subdue the woman, then the image of God on the earth would never be revealed. And that's what he's been trying to do with women throughout the centuries. So, um, so now, we find ourselves in the time of Jesus. And this is... When I look at Jesus, I just think, man, he's so, so loving, so good, so kind, and, and so much, so amazing. Because some of the things that, that, that the Lord has began to reveal to me as, as, as I meditated on this message, it just made me love the Lord so much more. Um, but we know that nothing, like I said, nothing in the Mosaic Law prevented men and women from, from talking. This came later. And Jesus, he offered his teachings freely to anyone that would listen. Male, female, even the children. He says, do not, let, do not refuse to let them come to me. He wanted everyone to come to him. I want to give you some examples of how Jesus uh, 
went against the norms of that day. Remember the woman at the well? She was a woman who'd been married five times, and the man that she had, was living with wasn't even her husband. And then the disciples come back, and they see Jesus talking to her. Now, this is a woman that's not even a Jewish woman. She's a Samaritan woman, which means she's a mixed race. And they were like, you're not even supposed to get anywhere near this woman. You're not supposed to converse with her. You'll be unclean if you do. But Jesus was sitting there talking to her, telling her about him, revealing himself as the Messiah to this woman. He loved this woman. He wanted her to know that he had come, the one that she had been, I believe she'd been seeking the Messiah. And he came to reveal that I am he. And so when the, the disciples come in John 4, 27, it says they marveled that he was talking with a woman. We, we kind of pass over that. But they marveled because they were not allowed to talk to the women. It was against everything for them to talk to women, especially one that's a Samaritan woman. They marveled at that. But there's, they didn't say anything to them. They were too afraid to say anything. They didn't say, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So you know if the, if, if the disciples are seeing this, you know the, the religious people of that day are seeing him talking to these women. It's not a good thing <laughs> for you to, to go against the norm sometimes. But, hey, Jesus did, and I'm so glad he did. Amen? Um, and then you have this story that really changed the way I look at this. If you look at uh, in Luke chapter 10, it's the story of, of Mary and Martha. Everybody's heard of Mary and Martha. You know, we've, we've gone through all of our uh, women. We've done all these uh, Bible studies on Mary and Martha and trying not to be a Martha where you're always worried about this and that. We need to be a Mary where we're sitting at the feet of Jesus. And we get a lot of stuff out of that. But if you look at the context... Of, of what is the social norm for that day. You look at Martha. She was mad at Mary because Mary was not supposed to be listening to the men talk about the Torah. She was not supposed to be learning it. She was supposed to be with the other women of the household taking care of business in the house. This is huge. And then Jesus, he comes to, Mar to Martha, and he says, you're concerned about many things. He says, but Mary has chosen the better. So what was he saying? He was reestablishing that it was okay for women to be disciples, for women to sit at the feet of Jesus, to sit at, and listen to the Torah, to study about the Lord. He was reestablishing the plan of God that women were supposed to stand by the side of men and learn about the kingdom of God so they could establish it on the earth. See, we get, we get something so different from it because we don't know what they were going through at that time. But I, I, to me, it excites me to know, hey, we don't have to question women whether or not we, we are able to teach. Jesus established that, yes, we are. 
If God can give it his word to a prophetess in the Old Testament, why can't he give it to us now as daughters of the Most High? Why can he not do that? You know, I, I, uh, I, I have family that um, they're in another denomination, and the women are not allowed to teach the men. They don't think, they, they think that women pretty much should be relegated to just the women and home. But if you read the Bible, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what Jesus taught us. We are, t- we are together to bring that kingdom into this earth right now, side by side together, honoring one another. Thank you. Appreciate that. Hallelujah. Are you telling me I'm a little dry? (laughs) Okay, thank you. (laughs) I appreciate that, brother. Hallelujah. But, you know, it's, it's, to me, God is preparing. Preparing his church, his bride. Because as women began to find out who she really is, and she accepts that, but honors the one she's to stand with, and he honors the one he's to stand with, then that image of God will come to this earth in these last days that we're in. Because I really believe that, that, that Jesus is not coming for a defeated church, one hiding out in the bunkers, you know, <laughs> homesteading out in the middle of nowhere. No, he's come to get a bride that's ready and equipped like an army. And, and until we, we begin to honor one another and to treat each other the way we should, we're not going to see that. But we are. We are going to do that. I believe that we're in that place now. But if you go on in into, into more of what Jesus did that was not the norm, uh, he talked to all kinds of women. He talked to women of high standing, women of ill repute, which is immoral women. We know that he delivered Mary Magdalene. Remember her? She had a lot of demons, and she did not leave his ministry. She was there from, from the time she got delivered and even was there at the tomb after he rose again. Who did God reveal himself to, first off? A woman. Because she was at the tomb. All the other men were hiding out. <laughs> I'm nothing against you guys, okay? I'm not saying, I don't want it to look that way, but I'm just saying that, that women have their place right by the man to honor the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, amen. The woman that was caught in adultery... This is what I'm thinking, okay? I'm thinking all the rabbis and the, the religious people, they were like, you know, uh, Jesus, look, what he's, he's going against the norms for the women. He's talking to them. But now we're going to have to make him come against a woman. So let's find somebody that will do something with the woman. We can catch him in the act, and we'll let the guy go. We'll pay him some money to do this. This is what I'm thinking, okay? This is Donnaology, okay? And because the male, they didn't even bring to Jesus, They only brought the female. And they wanted to see what's he going to do. 
She was caught in the very act. And it says we have to stone her. And we know what Jesus did. He waited and, and he said, you know, he that has no sin, let them cast the first stone. Who was the only one there that had no sin? Jesus. He was the only one that could cast a stone. But instead he extended mercy and grace. He never said that it was okay. He said, go and sin no more. But he extended mercy and grace to her. Then you have the Canaanite woman. Remember the woman that had the, the, the daughter that had a demon? She comes to Jesus and she's wailing and crying for him to help her. And Jesus is ignoring her. So we think, well, you know, she, he doesn't want to talk to this woman. She's a woman, so no, it's not why he didn't talk to her. Because if you look at it, he says to her, um, he said, I have not, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of Israel. He was ignoring her because she wasn't Jewish, because Jesus came first to the Jews, then it was to the world. So he wasn't ignoring her because she was a woman. But he had to, he had to come to her and answer her because of faith. He heard the voice of faith. He heard faith, and he had to answer her. So Jesus delivered her daughter. But it was not because she was a woman that he ignored her. But even then, him talking to her was a no-no. That's why the disciples were like, get rid of her. <laughs> She's not listening to us. We're trying to get rid of her. You just tell her to go. He wouldn't do it. We have the first proclaimer of Jesus as Messiah was a woman. Remember Anna in the temple? The immoral woman that washed Jesus' feet. We don't even understand how, the, how huge this was. This, this, they say this may have been Mary Magdalene. This was a woman uh, of ill repute. She was not to be anywhere near, not to even be spoken to, definitely not touched, and here she was washing the feet of Jesus, the Son of God. And he never turned her away. He honored her and said, this will be remembered forever, what you have done. So Jesus, can you see how he was reestablishing that women have value, that they're to be honored? This is what was going against everything that they... They understood in those times. They were great supporters of his ministry. You, you see all through, uh, more women supporting his ministry than you, you see the names of men. You, you guys have your, your time next month, okay? Just so you know. Right? <laughs> all right. Um, like I said, they were the first to the tomb. And even, even in the book of Acts and on, we see women being an integral part of the ministry. They were in the upper room. God did not say, okay, only men get the Holy Spirit. No, he was putting his seal upon both men and women. Both of you together to be the image of God on the earth. Now I want to go real quick to... Um, Some of you may be saying, um, what about Ephesians? And talking about the husband and wife. Um, I wanted to go over that. But first, I wanted just to say this. 
in the beginning, we all have the image of God in us. Can you imagine that? I mean, the, the things that we think about God, how loving he is, how, how kind he is, and gentle, and um, powerful, authoritative, all these things that, that God was, he put, he made us in that image. And when Jesus comes, came back, he came to reestablish that image in each one of us. So when you look at the woman, I look at her, you know, it's like the Holy Spirit is, is standing by our side as our helper, the woman standing by the side of her husband. And not just her husband, but all of her family. Where is she at? She's always there to encourage them to be the best they can be, that they can do things. They can be all that they, they desire to be. A woman's doing that because why? The image of God, the image of the Holy Spirit is on the inside of her. The woman is very good at revealing love. She loves her family. She loves her friends. She's a good comforter. How many can say amen? I mean, my mama, if there was anything wrong with me, I'd run to my mama crying. Mama was always there, arms ready to, to comfort me. And whether you men know it or not, we're good counselors. <laughs> we can counsel. Um, there's a week, yeah, back there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> now, I'm saying if you're a godly woman, okay? Now, we can, you know, like in the Proverbs, you know, the, the woman was wisdom, but then you also had the woman that was the, the harlot leading you away. So if you're an ungodly woman, you can do a lot of harm. But when you've got the Holy Spirit working in you, you've got God's character inside of you. Hallelujah. I believe the woman uh, shows the grace side of God. Now, that may not be in every household, but uh, in, in mine, it was kind of, my dad was in the army. It's like, yes, sir, no, sir, kind of thing in my house. May I be excused from the table? That's the thing I had to go through. <laughs> um, so I was a little bit harsher than my husband with the kids because I was like, what'd you say? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> I taught them to do that, though, when they went to get jobs. I said, you go tell them, yes, sir, no, sir. And they, my oldest son said, Mom, thanks for telling me that. I got a job just for that because they, they, they liked the way I respected them. I'm like, yes, that's what you need to do, respect and show honor. A woman determines, now you guys know this, determine, can determine the atmosphere of her home. <laughs> if mama ain't happy, what? <laughs> and nobody happy. Uh, but we want to do it for the good. <laughs> we want to we reveal the image of God, okay, not the world side, okay? But we can determine the atmosphere just like the Holy Spirit does. We can be very loyal. That's, um, there's so many traits I could go on and on about the woman and how uh, the attributes of God are in her as in man and how God honors now I want to go to Ephesians 5, and I just want it to end it here because this is a teaching in itself. Because like I said, God does not do anything by accident. Nothing in his word is by accident. This is talking about husbands and wives. Okay? We'll start in verse 22. This is the scripture that all men love. Wives, submit 
to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, y'all know y'all like that one. <laughs> I didn't hear no amens, but I know you like it. <laughs> well, that word submit is a choice word. It is a word that says that I choose to submit. And you, it, it was, as we go on, you're going to see, as the church chooses to submit to Jesus. Does God make us do anything? Does Jesus make us do anything? He wants us to choose to submit. And then it says, for the husband is head. And that word head means cornerstone, the uniting of two walls. He's the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Now, I want you to begin to picture this. The reason you have the husband and wife is because as we begin to go through this, you see that Jesus, God, from the very beginning, knew, knew everything that was going to happen. But he's saying that the, the, the marriage between the man and the woman is to represent the image of Christ and his bride, the church. Jesus never dishonors his bride. And as we go on, let's read what he does. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. This is the, this is the, the relationship. He's talking about Christ and his church, that husband and wife are to reveal that on the earth. Yeah. Hallelujah. That he may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Now listen to this, men. You are to sanctify your wife and your children by setting apart them apart under the word of God. That's what God wants you to have your wife under the subjection of, is the word of God. He wants you to... To be, the, to be the image of God, you're to, you're to put them under that covering of that word that cleanses them, that makes them whole, that makes them who they are. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now, he's going into detail, saying this is what Jesus did for the church. This is the way the husband is to treat the wife, and the wife will treat the husband. There's a love relationship here that's not an earthly, earthly kind of love. This is a preferring and honoring that only God can give. It says, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are the members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Now listen, where else did we see that flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone? Isn't that what Adam said about Eve? So Jesus, what, what Paul's saying here, this is what the church is to Jesus, but this is also what the bride is to her husband. Bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. And I believe it's like, it's, it's, it's symbolizing where we were birthed, we're born again through Jesus Christ. This is what the marriage of man and woman is, is symbolizing. 
For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Just like Jesus left his father to come to the earth so he could be joined to his bride, so does the husband leave his mother and father so he can be joined to the bride. Do you see the image? This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. He's telling us everything between a male and a female is about our God. It's about his image in us. No one is better than the other. We're one in Christ Jesus. We're one in him. We all have our place in him. Every one of us. Then the last scripture is nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she reverences her husband. When Jesus comes, and he's coming back soon. We're in those days. I don't know that it's going to be in our lifetime because I really believe that we got to become that glorious bride for our wonderful bridegroom. But Jesus is coming back for a bride that honors and loves each other and respects each other and are united side by side, waiting for his return as we occupy the land. And we'll occupy that land when we find out the image is in us. Amen. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give, or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit overcomerschurchinternational.com.